Welcome to Diving Into Deep Waters. I'm your host, Erin Rowling, and I'm excited to dive into what God has in store for us this week because I firmly believe every week he has something for us. And whether it's, maybe it's just for me, hopefully it's for you too as you're joining me. And I just feel honored and privileged that you tune in each week and that we get this time together. And I just pray we feel strengthened, encouraged, and... Yeah, so uh, this week, honestly, it's going to be a little bit different. I, we're going to go a little bit different direction than we normally go with our podcast. And mainly because uh, it's St. Patrick's Day coming up, which maybe you're like, I don't even celebrate that or anything like that. But it kind of, when I saw it on the calendar, I actually got really excited about it. And I'll tell you more why, but... Um, did that make sense? I'll tell you more why. Yeah. I've, I've restarted this podcast like three times because I'm just, my words are not coming together, which I actually had that problem last time I did a podcast, but I'm not going to keep starting over. I'm just going to push through <laughs> and hopefully I don't mess up too much. But it, so what inspired this also was for my birthday this last year, I got one of those DNA tests um, from my dad and like not like I am my dad's daughter, not like that kind of DNA test, but like the ones, the 23andMe, um, they kind of tell you your heritage, like where you come from, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of cool because my dad's done one and then Joseph, our son, had actually asked us for one a couple of years ago. It was like his number one uh, Christmas list uh, ass that he had for us. And so we'd gotten it for him and he was super excited to do it. But for him, he could basically see what, you know, didn't know what came from whom, like what came from me, what came from my husband. And so, um, when I got mine, he was like, okay, cool. I'm going to know exactly. And so it was, I can't honestly say that like, it's, some people are like super passionate about what they are and they're like, this is what I am. And I don't know if I really feel that way. But after seeing his results and just, I, he kind of got me excited to know what mine were. So I took it and uh, we, I got my results back and um, I'm 100% European, <laughs> like 100%. But it was interesting because I'm 50% Irish which I wasn't really surprised because, you know, like my results, I think some people get the results and they're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know I had that. For me, they were pretty much what I thought they were going to be. But my name's Erin, very Irish name. So this podcast is kind of coming out of me embracing my roots of being Irish and uh, talking about St. Patrick's Day. Um, now, I, I'm i sure you're thinking like, okay, this podcast is spiritual. Like, you know, we talk about God, you know, we use the verses and how we can apply this to our life, you know, the topic and all those things, right? How has St. Patrick's Day got anything to do with God or what can I glean from this topic? Don't turn me off, okay? <laughs> like, stay, like, stay with me because trust me, it's going to be awesome. Um, I know for me growing up, St. Patrick's Day was really basically like you wore green and you got pinched if you didn't wear green. I mean, I remember just thinking like I'd get to school 
and be like, oh my gosh, I don't have green on. What what can I say that I have green? And we would have like, uh, our, one of the schools I went to had green bagels. That was fun, to, you know, to have green bagels. My kids, I don't think they really care about St. Patrick's Day, but we all know McDonald's comes out with that shamrock shake, which I have heard is good. I think I've had one sip of it. I've bought plenty for my kids, which is probably loaded with an insane amount of sugar. And I'm not the biggest fan of sugar, but um, it's a special treat, you know, once in a while. You know, like for St. Patrick's Day, I've run a 5K with my friends, which actually was a lot of fun. Uh, we we dressed up in the whole nine yards and, you know, had the hats and socks and beads and all that kind of thing. And I know a lot of people drink beer. You know, they, I guess that's an Irish thing. Like when people are like, hey, I'm going to Ireland. I'm going to go drink beer, which I don't even like beer. So good for you. <laughs> uh, but... A couple of years ago, I heard in Adventures in Odyssey, if you don't know what Adventures in Odyssey is, it's one of my, I've listened to it since I was a kid. It's put out by Focus on the Family. If you have kids, um, it's a great resource to check out. Um, I actually have like 38 albums, I believe, on my phone from Adventures in Odyssey. And I love them so much. But Adventures in Odyssey had done, um, it's basically radio drama is what it is. And they're stories. And they had done one on St. Patrick. And it just kind of blew my mind because I've never put any thought or feeling or significance to St. Patrick's Day at all prior to listening to that Adventures in Odyssey. And... Um, it just really inspired me to kind of take that and then do some research on him on my own and learn more about his life. And I know that we all think, you know, like if you even Google like St. Patrick's Day, which I did, um, you know, what's the things that come up? It's like leprechauns, pots of gold, shamrocks, four leaf clovers, the color green, but those really have absolutely nothing to do with St. Patrick. <laughs> at all. St. Patrick was actually a man, a real man. He's a real boy. I'm sorry that <laughs> some of you are like, that was stupid. Sorry, it just came out. Um, but he, he actually has Saint in front of his name. Um, because in, in religion, you know, in different religions, um, you get that saint if you have done something with your life um, for the sake of Christianity, like you've done something significant. So if you think it'd be cool to have a saint in front of your name, just uh, go do something pretty awesome and extraordinary for your faith, and you might just get yourself one of those. Um, but the the gist of the story is this. Um, so Patrick was a normal guy um, who God put in a remarkable circumstance. And I guess I always thought, I mean, thinking St. Patrick's Day, Irish, you know, green, all those things. I always thought he was born in Ireland. Actually, he was not born in Ireland. He was uh, born in the west coast of England. So not, not even, nope, not Irish. Um, I am more Irish than him because I'm 50% people. Um, <laughs> but to give you a little background on his family history, his dad was a deacon and his grandpa was actually a priest. But 
just because your family is religious doesn't necessarily mean you are religious. And um, Patrick actually did not share in his family's faith at all. And actually he's quoted as saying, I did not then know the true God. So he just had no interest in God or anything to do. Actually quite the opposite. He was actually known in his town as being quite the troublemaker. Uh, one time he was caught for stealing chickens. And when they asked him, his dad asked him, like, why would you steal chickens? He replied, I just wanted to see if I could. <laughs> um, some of you are like, oh, my kid's like that. Uh, he got into trouble for racing horses through his town. He even once climbed um, the governor on the governor's roof of his house, um, only just to fall through the tiles of the house. So I'm sure that was probably not his dad probably wasn't really happy with that but I mean I think they said he had a desire to do good but temptation was just too great and it was just like good or bad good or bad mm, I'm gonna go with just he was tempted and he gave into it um he was actually convinced that the only way he would ever become good was if God punished him then maybe he would become good which is kind of a warped view of who God is, but that's how he thought. <laughs> now, in order for me to move to the next part of Patrick's life, so now we've, we've kind of established who he is, where he came from, what his family was like, stuff like that. Um, we kind of have to jump over to the country of Ireland and discuss what was happening over there. So this is kind of where Ireland comes into play. Um, because Ireland was known for their Druids, um, which were, Druids are like evil mystics, basically. And they had a lot of control over the Irish king. Now, the high priest at that time um, was Lacroix. I just think I said that wrong. Lacroix. I never know how to say things. It's a problem, people. Um, but we're going to go with Lacroix because I have to say that name a lot in here. <laughs> And I'll probably say it different every single time. Um, but he was the head of the Druids. And the king, so so just so you know, just pay pay attention to this, okay? So the, the king and the Kroll are the key players in this story right now. And they're going to be the key players coming up. Um, but the Kroll convinced the king that there was a lack of slaves in their country, which Obviously, they were used to serve the king. And so he convinced the king to go raid Britain to get them. So, like, if you don't have enough slaves, you just hop in a boat and you go to another country and you go get yourself some. That, that's what he proposed to the king. It was also a very self-serving uh, request for him to go raid Britain to get s slaves because in their the gods that they served, it required human sacrifice. And so they needed more slaves in order to kind of do that. And he's, okay, we've established he's evil. <laughs> he's not good. But he, you know, like when someone wants to get their way, they'll kind of like pump someone up, you know, like kind of stroke their ego. And that's exactly what LaCroix did. He stick, he, you know, stroked the king's ego and was like, hey, the more slaves you have, the richer you look and you want people to think that you're rich, right? You're a rich king. 
And not only that, but like you want to have a good reign, right? So the temple needs these slaves for these sacrifices because that will ensure that you'll have a good reign. Well, what king doesn't want other people to think that he's rich? And what king doesn't want to have a good reign? Well, obviously this king. So he was like, all right, go ahead. You can set these people, you know, send them over to Britain and um, you can go ahead and, and get yourself some slaves. Well, their sites were set on actually Patrick's village. So this is where the two stories come together. Um, and so they go ahead and they're going to raid Patrick's village. So here is where <laughs> Patrick's disobedience comes into play. Once again, this is this is where it's not a benefit to him at all. The other things, you know, like catching chickens, you know, riding through town, going on the governor's house, not huge things, but we all know that obedience will catch up, disobedience will catch up with you somewhere. And so while his village was being attacked, um, Patrick's father actually tells him to stay in the house and protect his mother. And Patrick, being the obedient child that he is, he wants to fight. I mean, he sees his dad out there. He sees all the men of the village, like, fighting. So, of course, what does he want to do? He wants to fight, too. He doesn't want to be left out of the picture. And so he disobeys. He leaves his house. And he's quickly overtaken by the Irish. And now he has been taken on the boat. And he's being taken to Ireland and sold as a state as a slave. So consequences to disobedience. Um, now Patrick took the situation as it was God's punishment for his lack of faith and obedience, and so that that's really how it struck him that this whole situation, where he is, what's happening to him. He's like, okay, this is, God, this is God's punishment for all the times I've disobeyed and the fact that I haven't believed in God. And uh, so he gets to Ireland. He, he goes on the slave market, you know, where the people buy slaves. And um, so like the people for the temple are going to go there and they're going to go get their slaves. I don't think they probably paid for them, but the, they definitely pick out Patrick as one of the, the slaves that they want sent to the temple to be used as a human sacrifice. Um, so this is where we've got Patrick now with Ireland. This is this is how we get Pat, you know, St. Patrick's Day with Ireland. This is how it merges. And um, on the way, though, to the temple, the driver who's supposed to deliver him gets stopped by someone whom the driver actually owns money to, owes money to. And the driver apparently didn't have the money. And so the man was like, okay, well, if you don't have the money, then just give me the slave that you have in your cart. And of course the guy was like, well, you can't have him because he's going to the temple and they're going to know I didn't deliver this kid to the temple. So you know, I'll pay you later. Well, I don't think he really had a choice. And so the guy was like, you're going to give me this kid and he's going to be my slave. And so that is how Patrick got out of not being sacrificed and obviously got intercepted on his behalf. But the man who brought, bought him, his name was Meshla and he was a countryman. He had a farm and uh, this 
Despite the fact that Patrick had escaped being a sacrifice, he did not escape being a slave. And the way that they treated their slaves, they could work freely during the day, but then at night you were tied to a bedpost because obviously they were worried you were going to take off and run for your life because, like, who wants to be a slave? Nobody. Um, But every night that he was tied up, he, um, you know, just would break down. And finally, one night, he just called out to God, and his call was, was very, very simple. He just said, help me, and God heard his prayer. Now, how did he get to this moment of actually recognizing that God was God and that God was there to help him? Well, <laughs> it had been since six years since Patrick had become a slave, and his main job was to be a shepherd. That was That's what he did. So I don't know. Okay, I'm not a shepherd. I've never been a shepherd. But I think being a shepherd, you're kind of like have a flock, right? You take them to some land, basically shape, 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 graze, sheep graze. And so they're just grazing around. So you probably got a lot of time on your hands. Like even David in the Bible was a shepherd, right? And he wrote tons of psalms and poetry and music and all this stuff. So I think Patrick had a little bit of time on his hands. And so he he actually began to pray. And eventually he did end up giving himself body and soul over to God. Now, during these times that he had with God, they weren't just, they were pretty significant because God actually, um, began to give him visions and dreams. And God didn't just answer him with a simple thing. He actually gave him a vision. And um, the Lord told him in the vision that he would return to his homeland and that the ship he was supposed to ride on was ready for him. So what do you do with that? (laughs) What do you do with that knowledge? Like, okay, I'm supposed to go home. The ship is ready for me, but there's one problem. He's still a slave. So he has got to talk to Meshla and ask for his freedom, which I'm sure he didn't probably think. Maybe he did because God had given him uh, this vision and told him specifically like, hey, you're going to return to your homeland and all this stuff. So maybe he did think that when he was going to go ask Meshla like, hey, can I have my freedom because I need to go home that Meshla was going to say, sure thing, buddy, go ahead. I Well, obviously, I think that he was very committed and he was a very good worker. So who wants to lose that kind of person? So, of course, Meshla's answer is no. Now, what is Patrick supposed to do? So this is what he does. Actually, after the conversation where he asked for his freedom, Meshla says no, he actually walks out of the conversation and instead of like going to back to his job, he actually just proceeds to walk and then walk right off the, the farm. And so at that night when they actually went to look for him, he was nowhere to be found because he, he actually just left. And he actually ended up having to walk like 200 miles to where the water was, which if you do the math, which I didn't do this math in my head, let me tell you, <laughs> definitely <laughs> Googled it. That's about 66 hours and 40 minutes of walking. 
Now, mind you, that would be a lot with the right equipment. Um, but we're talking about he literally walked off and took nothing with him. It was just him and the clothes on his back. And he just followed what he felt like God had said to him. And so he came to the water's edge and he saw the exact ship that the Lord had showed him in a vision. And so as he approached the ship, it was actually um, probably daunting. Like, I don't know, maybe he was super secure in it, but I think he probably had in his mind like, okay, I'm a slave and I have no money. He didn't, he didn't have anything. And so, but I need to procure uh, passage on this ship. <laughs> well, they don't let people ride for free. <laughs> It'd be like you going to a plane and be like, um, I'm supposed to get on this plane to go home. Don't have any money. They'd be like, yeah, I don't think so. But of course, God's in the mix. As he approaches the ship, there's they're carrying a large number of dogs on the ship. And they're pretty riled up. And Patrick walks over and because of his, his experience as being a shepherd and being on a farm, he knows how to calm them right down. And the captain is so impressed with his ability to calm these animals that he is like, hey, would you want to come on the ship and help us transport these dogs? Which worked out great for Patrick because he didn't have any money to pay to have this ride. So... Um, but here's where it gets kind of cool because I think, I think a lot of times in life when things are happening, maybe we don't always realize where they're happening, but when you look back, you start to see how all the pieces fit together. Like even for my husband and I just take a break from the story for a second. Um, when we started our church, we... Along the way, there were a lot of things that happened and there were times of testing and times of just like dedication and just serving and being faithful, learning how to deal with situations. And we at the time had no idea that God was really preparing us for the calling of starting a church. But once we started the church, then we kind of looked back and we were like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, remember when we went through that? Yeah, that's totally coming in handy right now. Or even how we wanted to set up our church because we started in our living room, which I've told you guys this, but um, it was all like we, we were setting it up through our experiences. What we had experienced really drove like, okay, we don't want to... Um, treat people this way, or we don't want it to feel this way. So we're going to do it this way. And so this is where I think in Patrick's life, where things really began to like those things that he went through when he was younger, start to come back and they were preparation for where he's going to go moving forward. So just keep that in mind and see if you can kind of put the correlation of his past with where his future is going. I just wanted to make that observation real quick. Um, because right now he's going to get super tested. Well, he's going to get tested maybe in a smaller scale than when he's going to get tested later. But um, 
but just tested in his dedication to God. Because um, back then, when they would travel um, on the seas, they, you know, many people served many different gods. And they felt like they had to do things in order to receive, like, safety. You know, like, um, just how the Druids were like, hey, you need to sacrifice these people. Because if you want the gods happy, you know, you got to always make the gods happy. Um and so when they would travel on ships, they would actually cut their breasts as a sign of like, hey, give us safe passage. And so that was normal practice. And so the captain required that of Patrick and his whole crew. And But Patrick was like, okay, this is for some unknown God. This is not for the true God. And so he was tested in that moment. And he was like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And actually the captain was so taken by Patrick's um, homage to the one true God and how much he was like, I can't do that just to appease anybody. Um, and so he actually just really was um, kind of taken aback by it and was like, okay, then you don't have to do it. So he got got out of that. But it's just was it's just kind of a cool thing, like standing up for his faith. It, it paid off in that moment for him. Um, and so he, he traveled, took a long time, but he finally made it home. And of course he hasn't been home in seven years. He wants to find his family. He has no idea what he's going to find when he gets back, um, to Britain, to his village, because when he left, it was being burnt to the ground, like nothing was left. And he did return and he was so joyous to find that they had actually rebuilt the, the town. Um, he found his father. They were reuni reunited, father and son. And and so that was, you know, really cool. So is that where the story ends? No, there's more. <laughs> I felt like when I was putting this together, like, I think it's a radio show. I'm pretty sure it's a radio show. And the guy says, like, we'll tell you a story. And then he'll say, and now for the rest of the story. So that's what I'm going to do now. And now for the rest of the story, people. Um, so Patrick has another dream. This is apparently how God speaks to Patrick, is in his dreams. And in the dream, he saw a bunch of letters. And so in, in the he began to open the letters to read what they had to say. And every letter he opened was a call for him to come back to Ireland to be used for the lost souls there. And so the Lord spoke to him through that dream and he said, he who laid down his life for you speaks and calls you to return. I'm sure, like we know obviously by now, Patrick has a lot of faith in God and has established this new relationship in him and has had to go through some things in that relationship with God to declare that he is, you know, serving God and that he's going to follow through on his faith and all of those things. But I'm sure in that moment, because I've not been asked to do this particular thing, but there are things I've been asked to do where I'm like, okay, and I know specifically God has asked me to do them. And my reply <laughs> is like, okay, I know I want to do it, 
but it it's hard to do it, right? I mean, think about your own life. Are there things that you know that God has asked you to do, whether big or small, okay? Like, obviously, this is a big request to ask Patrick to go back to the homeland in which he was a slave. Um, wasn't a good experience. <laughs> so that's like a huge thing. But think about your own life. Are there things that God has asked you to do? Like we've probably had trepidation where you've been scared, fearful, and yet there is, you, I, I guess I would want to have the reply that Patrick had because this was his reply. This was his response. He said, I will go wherever you want me to go, even to the land that enslaved me. So there right right there tells me, wow, uh, that he he says, I'll go. But I kind of like the next line because it just shows me like, okay, he's probably like, okay, even to the land that enslaved me, like even to that place that doesn't have good memories for me, but I will go where you want me to go. And I think that the reason why that was his answer is because basically if he was going to disobey that, that would have compromised his faith. His faith was like so solid at this point in his life that it was like, I don't really have another option. (laughs) I mean, the Lord's speaking to me in dreams. I better do what he says. And so he, he does. He gets a group of people and he travels back to Ireland. Um, He gets there. And before he even gets off the boat, he is met um, and told to leave. And um, and if he doesn't leave, he's going to die. And again, here's his reply. Like, he's just quite the man. He said, go tell the king of our return and tell him we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember, Lockroy, the wicked high priest, is still in the story. He's still <laughs> very important piece to the story and he's still around and guess what? He's not happy when he hears about this Patrick guy coming and he's an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't settle very well with him. And so what does he do? Of course, he's going to get into the ear of the king. And so he tells the king, these Christians are dangerous. Don't even let them on like our land, don't let them land in Ireland, tell them to get on their boat and leave, be done with them. And I think the king probably would have believed him because he's believed him so far and he's like his main counselor. That's what you have a main counselor for, right? Is you're going to listen to them. (laughs) But this is, oh, this is so exciting. (laughs) I'm sorry. I love this. But the queen, everyone say the queen, just happens to be in the room and she speaks up and starts questioning Lockroy why he doesn't want these Christians to come. And I feel like she's a feisty little thing. Like the more I read about her, yeah, I like her a lot. She's like my kind of girl. And she basically is like, so I think you're afraid. Like the reason why you don't want these Christians here is because they might you know, share about a different God and that might take away from your God and that might rattle, you know, you know, shake things up here and, you know, take away from who you are. And I don't think that he probably was amused 
that she said anything or that she called him out because that's basically what she did. She called him out. And, of course, he denies it. He's thinking, like, oh, yeah, Queen, that's exactly it. I don't like these guys because, you know, they could totally, like, take me away from what I do. Um, and But it's so cool because, obviously, the, the king was smart here. He could listen to the queen or he could listen to... I just forgot his name because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> if this is your first time listening, I'm a mess sometimes. That's, I, I am. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I'm a mess, but I'm just sharing my little heart out with you. Um, Lockroy. I found it. Lockroy. So the queen or Lockroy, who is he going to listen to? And um, he listens to the queen. He, go, he goes with what she has to say. And it's it's kind of like after she wins, she kind of ta taunts uh, Lockroy a little bit and says, you know, like, hey, if if these guys aren't supposed to come here, then your gods will stop them. Like, isn't this your kind of girl? Like, we would be friends. Um, <laughs> um, well, Lockroy obviously does not really have a lot of trust in his gods because he sends a renegade of soldiers to stop Patrick. And so they go out, they lie in wait to ambush Patrick and his group of people that are traveling with him. And as Patrick and his men approach where the, the soldiers are waiting to like take them down, kill them all, the soldiers never see the men. And actually when they were asked later, what, what they walked right past you, like Patrick and his men walked right past you what did you see? And the soldier said, all we saw were a bunch of deer. We never saw any men. And listen, it's not like Patrick and his men were like tiptoeing past the soldiers like to get past them. They actually didn't even know they were there. And they were singing praise hymns the whole time that they were traveling. So they were loud and not even being silent or anything like that. God intervenes again and makes these soldiers see a bunch of deer. How cool is that? Is this story not amazing? Maybe I'm, maybe I just get excited. But anyways, um, obviously God wanted uh, Patrick and his group to get to the king and queen. And um, he actually found favor with both the king and queen. And they allowed him to preach the gospel in their town. They kind of gave him free reign and let him do his thing. Is that the end of the story? Y'all know the answer. No, there's more. <laughs> so this is, okay, take it in. So the Druids have a big festival and they would build this massive bonfire. It was like the biggest, baddest, bonfire imagine in your mind like you've gone somewhere and they're like we're gonna build the biggest bonfire you ever did see like that times a million okay like it was like the bonfire of the year and basically I mean it was to symbolize how powerful their god was so of course they want to show how powerful their god is they're going to build some big bonfire well this festival actually fell on Easter interesting huh so on that night, nobody else was allowed to do a bonfire. Like that was like a big no-no because 
there's only the one bonfire. But that didn't stop Patrick because he knew this custom and he knew what it was about. And obviously he's like, hey, they're going to build a bonfire to their God who's not even real. Let me show them. Let me show them what a bonfire is to the one true God. And so he did. He built a bonfire and he began to pray for the power of darkness over Ireland would be broken. That was the, the reason for it. So he was like, we're, we're going to do some praying here. So while that is going on, Patrick and his bonfire and the prayer, the king and Lockroy are having a celebration before they are going to go build their bonfire. Well, obviously Patrick got to it before them and someone was like, hey, there's a bonfire. And they were like, hey, we didn't build the bonfire yet. We haven't even done it yet. So they were like, who's... Who built a bonfire? Because they didn't really know yet. Well, they sent people out, found out it was Patrick. Well, the king was not very happy about this because now you're messing with his bonfire. So it's a guy thing, I guess. Um, So who does he turn to for advice? Lockroy. And big surprise, Lockroy's advice is to kill Patrick. But once again, who is on the scene? Our very wise queen. And she speaks up and she says, hey, why don't we just bring Patrick in and let him explain himself? Like, don't just go kill him. Just bring him in. Let him explain. Lockroy, once again, has to go out of his way to put an end to Patrick because he's he's decided he's not going to leave this in the king's hands because that king and queen, I mean, Patrick has favor with them. Even though the, the king's mad right now with him, he still has favor. And so he decides... I'm going to go get some poison. I'm going to put it in some wine. I'm going to offer it to him. And I'm just going to take care of this myself. Well, Patrick appears before the king and the queen. The king kind of gives him an earful and a piece of his mind. And at the end, he's basically like, what am I going to do with you? (laughs) He's like frustrated with it. And once again, Patrick has a perfect reply. He says, the question is not what to do with me. But what do you do with the one who sent me? Now, Lacroix is, I'm sure, pretty squirming at this point because the evil spirit in him knows he's he's being, like evil can sense godliness, right? And so the evil in Lacroix is like, oh boy, we're in trouble. (laughs) And I need to shut this down and we need to take care of this now. So of course, Lacroix pipes up his his voice and he says, why don't we sit down and let's just reason together. Let's just hear each other out and, and we can just um, put our differences aside and we can just understand each other. And the king's like, that's a great idea, you know, because we can all come together no matter who our gods are, which does not go over well with Patrick. So of course, Patrick has something to say about that. And so Patrick is like, no, our gods are not the same and I'm not going to just sit down and say that they are the same. And so he begins to share the message of Jesus Christ. And he quotes the scripture that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not be punished but have everlasting life. And 
uh, Lacroix's like, okay, we're, we're in trouble here. We, we're going way too far. We've got scripture. Like he's, he's starting to turn the heart of the king and the, well, I think he already had the heart of the queen. And so he actually hands that poisoned wine, which I told you was poisoned to Patrick. And Patrick says, because taking wine, especially on Easter, like that would be like taking communion. So it's pretty significant to Patrick. And so he's like, okay, well, if we're gonna do wine on Easter, then he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, before his sacrificial death, blessed the wine and said, this is my blood, which is spilled for you. And then he said, drink in remembrance of me. Cause that would be a normal thing to do when you take communion or you drink wine for, for Patrick. But Lacroix, this is when he's got to open his big mouth. And this is his demise right here. And he says, well, then we'll all drink in remembrance. And Patrick's like, uh, I'm going to call you out on that. And he said, that is blasphemy to my God. And it is deadly to drink this wine now because it's been blasphemed. And Lacroix, of course, is like, how could this be deadly? Even though he knew it was deadly. He's probably like, how does this guy know it's deadly? Not even thinking like that he was really basically dissing Patrick's God, the one true God. And so Patrick is like, because I think in that moment, that's where the Holy Spirit spoke to Patrick and said, this wine is, yeah, it's deadly. And so Patrick offers his own wine glass to Lockroy and says, here, drink, if it's not deadly, then you drink it. Oh my, how the tables have turned because I don't think that Lacroy thought that Patrick was gonna offer him the poison wine. So now what's he gonna do? And so uh, basically at that moment, you know, Patrick has called out Lacroy and then he calls out all of his horrible deeds, who he is as a person, the wickedness that's in him. And he tells the king and queen, he's like, as long as you're chained to this evil, because that's what Lacroix was, all his, his advice was evil, everything about him was evil, everything to do with the temple was evil, and sacrificing people and all that stuff was so evil. He was like, if you keep yourself chained, chained to this evil, then, and to Lacroix and his advice, then Ireland will never be free. And the only way that you can free yourselves is if you get rid of this wickedness. And then it's like, <laughs> I imagine this scene like Patrick's like, peace out. I said my piece, I said what I came here to say, and he walks out. Like just dismisses himself, doesn't get dismissed. It's like mic drop moment. I'm out of here. This, you need to get rid of this guy. Otherwise this, this country will never be free. And what happens? Once again, the queen is on the scene and she challenges Lacroix to drink the cup. And he's, cause he's like, no, it's not poison. And she's like, okay, if it's not poison, then drink it. Cause she called his bluff. I think she kind of had it for him in the beginning, from the beginning. And so then the king gets on it. Cause he's like, hey, drink the wine. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'll just, just, just drink my own cup of wine. And then basically the king's like, fine, I'll drink the, the cup of wine, which Lacroix is like, oh, I can't let the king drink it because then I'm surely going to be put to death because I will poison the king. So he stops the king. And then the whole situation brings the king to the realization that Patrick 
has faith and courage, and Lacroix has deception and fear. And so in that moment, the king's heart is turned towards God, and he banishes Lacroix, he banishes the Druids, they take down all the statues, and Ireland begins to turn their hearts towards Christ. The end. And isn't that an amazing story? Like, I have, like, never thought of St. Patrick's Day or actually known anything about it, to be honest. And then when I heard the story of who he was and what he did, I was mesmerized by it. And I, even doing this podcast, I was thinking of all the things I could bring out, all the different points I could make and use. And then I just... As I was getting it ready, I felt like I wasn't supposed to do that. That I was just supposed to present this story of an amazing man. And there, and for you as the listener to this story, to basically just take from it what you needed to take from it. It wasn't like my, I'm not supposed to tell you what to take from it. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Because... I just think that there were parts of the story where you could just take lots of different things and it's just for you to kind of do on your own. So now you're probably like, oh, I didn't listen that closely. I need to re-listen to it. No, I'm sure you had moments. But I just, that's what I really was just about to do on this podcast, something different, but to present to you so that when St. Patrick's Day comes up, whether it's this year, next year. I've never actually looked at St. Patrick's Day the same since I've heard this story. Um, And actually just going back over the whole story because I actually had done this for our youth group at one point. Um, Just amazed again, just kind of taken aback by this one man's dedication to God, his courage, his, you know, you definitely know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of him to be able to have those kinds of answers and to have that profound statement and just to have the wisdom in in what he did and to be open to God giving him dreams and visions of what he wanted to do and to open himself up to hearing God's voice. And all of that stuff is just like, we can all learn a lot from his life. And so... When St. Patrick's Day comes around, which it'll be in a few days, I just want you to think of St. Patrick as this, a slave boy who changed an entire nation through his dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty inspiring. I hope that you feel inspired. I hope you feel encouraged. Um, I always love to hear stories of just normal people who God's like, I can use this person for extraordinary things. So happy St. Patrick's Day.